Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today Rena Van Alst from Strata Central. Hi there, Rena. Hi Amanda, how are you? I am great. I have just returned from four weeks holiday, been traveling overseas, as some of our listeners will know, those who follow our socials, and it's great to be back this week. I think you had a bit of a break as well during that time, Rena. Yeah, I did actually had a week off up at the Gold Coast, which probably wasn't as nice as what you would have experienced, Amanda, but it was very <laughs> relaxing and um, actually quite surprising. I haven't been up there for six years and I was really surprised by the changes. Especially all the new buildings going up where the old ones were and they're tearing down these old buildings and putting up new luxury residences, I noticed, was a new um, type of development happening where you have like this one apartment for floor residences, you know. So the market is really changing and the Gold Coast is really going gangbusters. Mm, I was up there uh, about a week or so before I left, so it was about mid-August, and there's some gorgeous new hotels up there as well. We had an event at the Langham, which is just lovely. So yeah, yeah that's where I stayed actually. <laughs> oh, you stayed at the Langham? Yeah, that's right. Lucky gal, lucky yeah, gal. That's Beautiful. We had yeah. a lovely lunch there. Nice restaurant. Yeah. Well, there you go. Queensland listeners, feel free to pop us a note. Let us know what's going on up there. We're jealous. Yeah. So I think for strata managers, Amanda, it's like definitely there's so much um, new buildings going up. I just can't believe it. And I think the history of the old buildings and, you know, the, the very low rise now is being changed in terms of buildings not being able to be repaired or not worth repairing and right on the beachfront. So yep. I think it's been it's quite a big change up there. Mm. Well, thanks for bringing us up to date on what's going on on the Gold Coast. I'm glad you were able to have a break. Our wins and our challenges, they've been stacking up while we've been offline, that's for sure. Rena, hit me with your challenge this week. Yeah, so this challenge, Amanda, I think is probably a very prevalent one in terms of strata managers, lot owners and rising levies has been probably something that's been in the media recently. Um, OCN had a conference on the 22nd of September, which I attended as a panelist. And that was one of the items that I was asked to speak about, which was the impact of rising levies and how owners should be looking after their building and looking after their asset and, and what steps they should be taking. I think that what I was trying to impart at the conference is that even though costs are rising, and it's a very hard impost, especially on people with fixed incomes and retirees, et cetera, and young families. And people always complain about the rising costs. And I understand that because all of us would be impacted by such increases. However, the best way to devalue your asset is to not spend money on it. And the other thing that I wanted to sort of bring to everyone's attention was the fact that none of the owners ever say, oh, my, my property has tripled or doubled in the last 10 to 15 years. And I think what we all forget sometimes, unless we're impacted by, say, a refinance. If you're refinancing your property, if you're an owner-occupier, you don't really see the increases. I mean, you hear about, oh, there was a great sale in the building, you know, this and that, which just happens if there are sales in the building. But in some buildings, yeah, they're tightly held. You don't really get that much turnover. So people don't really understand or see that the fact that their asset, you know, has doubled or even in some cases tripled from when they first bought them. And, you know, if you think about 10 years, it's not a large amount of time in relative terms when you look about the investment that people are putting into property, yet people think that one should reduce 
the level of income for an appreciating asset. So if something's going up in value, I don't understand how when something is aging that people don't understand that we need to maintain it. And the other thing with Strata, as we know, everyone's got different agendas, different views on how things should be run. So sometimes people in their personal life may not want to buy a new car. They might be happy to, you know, even if they can afford it, they're happy to keep driving an old car because that's how they like to live. That's nothing wrong with that. But I think when you bring different views of different owners in, into one one group and then trying to work out what is best. And one of the last thing I'll say about this subject is that the Earth Corporation must repair and maintain common property. It doesn't it's a statutory requirement. As you know, as a lawyer manager us being managers, whenever you go to NCAT, and there's always cases you're gonna see when every other case that's repeated when owners corporations have failed to do this. So it's not as if the owners corporation has really much discretion in undertaking these important maintenance and repair items for a building. So I think that sometimes some people look at rising levies. You've got to look at rising levies from what base? Where did it start from? Like, was it a very low base? Was it years of not increasing levies, you know, like a couple of percent every year, which is why some buildings now find themselves where there's rising insurance costs and rising building costs not being able to cope. So I just thought I'd put that out as a challenge. And I think I'd like for people to think about the whole gamut of investment in property. It's not just what you're putting in. It's also the fact that House prices are rising, apartment prices are rising, rents are rising. So I think that when you put that in context, you don't see that unless you're refinancing or selling that, oh, wow, I've been putting in extra 10% a year or 20% a year, but look, I've made hundreds of thousands of dollars now at the end of it. Yep. And for the prior occupiers, it's tax-free gains. Yep. Now, I think your point about ageing buildings is a really key one here and this is where I'm sort of seeing this culmination of a lot of things putting pressure on our owners when it comes to increasing expenses and the age of their buildings is the biggest one in my view because when I'm working with owners who are in these buildings, as you see, Rena, who are struggling to get their owners corporation to pass the resolution, to raise the money, to actually do the repair work, they are almost always in buildings that are about 40 to 50 years old. These are buildings where, and this is not my term, this was actually a neighbor of mine who said this to me recently and it really struck a chord. She said, Amanda, we are now second generation owners. And by that she meant the generation that's come before us bought from the developer. They bought off the plan. It's somebody's mom or maybe grandmother. And they didn't need to do any expensive maintenance for 20, 30 years because everything was built properly, fingers crossed, back at that time. <laughs> <laughs> there was no need to replace the roof waterproof membrane. There was no need to upgrade the lift. There were no leaks. And life was great living in these apartments in the 60s and 70s and even the 80s. And now it's all hit. The roof membrane needs replacing, the lift needs to come out. And some of these second generation owners have actually inherited their properties from their parents. And it's a big surprise to them that now they have to put their hand in their pocket and actually make a contribution and pay these special levies or contribute to these strata loans when that is not at all what they budgeted for, what they planned for when they were thinking about this property maybe one day being theirs. And for those owners like myself and, and my friend who I was talking to about this building, we've bought our properties. We've invested in our properties. We are professional people who work full time and understand the value of our investment and what we need to do to keep things moving. And that is where I sort of see this 
tension, uh, very different viewpoints, as you've pointed out there, Rena, coming together in a meeting room, having to make a decision about meeting legal obligations, about raising money, and that is just ripe for conflict. Yeah, absolutely right, Amanda. And back in the 60s and 70s, when people bought apartments, it was because they couldn't afford to live in a house. So apartment living was really like the poor cousin of owning a house. And well, that's our change. There are now apartments that are far more expensive than any house in suburbs, you know, going further out. And people now, with the aging population, they want to downsize, they want to live in apartments, they, they don't want to worry. And the people think, oh, well, I don't have to worry, I can just lock up and go, I don't have to worry about mm. maintenance. So part of the attraction now with the aging population and also, you know, people wanting to live in the city and not like live far away and be close to family and friends and amenities. And you're right, it's there is that very big shift in terms of owners who bought originally or inherited and those now that are buying in at the high prices because now if you look at apartment living, it's not cheap even just to invest on average. So and in many Sydney locations, it doesn't matter what where you live, apartments aren't cheaper in outer suburbs for new apartments especially. So mm. I think there's going to be something there's things that has to going to have to happen, I think, because the fact that buildings now, because of the inflation, it's now probably coming more to people's minds, Amanda, because of rising costs that we need to now start focusing and thinking a bit more carefully about the future. It's, we can't continue with ageing buildings and, you know, being an NCAT every time we need to get something done. For some buildings, that, that is how it works, that nothing will die unless someone goes to NCAT or tries to get a, a compulsory manager, in which it shouldn't be that way. Mm. Look, I do think it's a point in time, a pain point, let's say, that will pass and I think from my point of view, a, a big factor that will assist in it passing is these changing generations, changing attitudes, different types of people moving in. Eventually they will become the majority that it is the next generation that has spent the multiple millions of dollars who are working, who understand that it is either time or it is money and it is money is what the choice is going to be inevitably. Well, I'm glad that the OCN conference was able to have your expertise there on the panel arena. I was invited to attend also and unfortunately had to decline that because I was swanning around Spain. So <laughs> I don't know where I'd rather be. <laughs> <laughs> next time, next time. Over to my challenge for this week. I have a question in my inbox from a podcast listener. Her name is Jane. Hi there, Jane, if you're listening. Great question here from Jane. She's asked, if an owner changes their flooring, for example, from carpet to hard flooring, who is responsible for the cost of any changes that might need to be made to the fire door, the fire rated entry door for the lot to make sure that it continues to comply with fire safety rules? So if carpet's been removed and we've now got some nice shiny floorboards, it's likely there's going to be a larger gap between the floor and the bottom of the fire door. The door is common property, but the door only needs to be upgraded, repaired, improved because of this change that was implemented by the owner, not the owner's corporation. So whose responsibility is it for dealing with that fire door? Well, obviously it has to be the owner because the owner has made a change and therefore it will be their responsibility to facilitate any other changes to common property that are required as a result of the carpet removal. That's my view. Yes, that is my view also. And where I'd suggest Jane turns to and anyone else who's tuning in with a similar question, whether it's related to fire doors or other impacts 
on fire safety is have a look at your bylaws because it's very likely that you have a bylaw in place that deals with fire safety and work that an owner may do that then impacts fire safety. What I'm thinking about is model bylaw number 10, which is in Schedule 3 to the Strata Schemes Management Regulation in New South Wales. Now, these are the newer versions of the model bylaws that made an appearance in our legislation when it commenced in 2016. Model bylaw 10 is titled Preservation of Fire Safety and it says that the owner or occupier of a lot must not do anything or permit any invitees of the owner or occupier to do anything on the lot or on common property that is likely to affect the operation of fire safety devices or to reduce the level of fire safety in the lots or the common property. So have a look, Jane, if you have a bylaw to that effect, similar to that, making sure that owners are responsible for any impacts their work may have on fire safety devices on the property. And certainly that would make clear that where this kind of work is done to flooring, then fixing the fire door is the responsibility of the lot owner who did the work, as Rena says. Also, Section 109 in the Strata Schemes Management Act that deals with cosmetic work done on the property. That would include work where carpet is being removed and then replaced with new carpet, for example. That section does exclude from being cosmetic work that detrimentally affects the safety of a lot or common property, including fire safety systems. So that means that Any work that's going to affect a fire safety system can never be considered cosmetic. It gets bumped up to that level of being minor work, which, as you'll know, Rena, the installation of hard flooring is minor work anyway under Section 110 of our Act. If work is minor work, then it needs to go before the owner's corporation for approval. Maybe your strata committee has been delegated the authority to approve that work, but the installation of hard flooring should not be happening without some form of consideration by the committee or the owners corporation some form of approval and you can attach conditions to that approval and I'd suggest this is a really great example of the kind of condition you might want to attach to an approval to say where you are going to impact fire safety devices through your work you are responsible for dealing with that impact for rectifying any damage to the fire door for example if you're dealing with flooring. That's a great idea, Amanda. I think that many of us that are dealing with all of the things that refer to that model bylaw that you just mentioned, and I think that's a good idea to add that as a condition of approval for managers to all your templates that you have, because that might then bring to the forefront. Sometimes people don't think about those. And I've also got ones, Amanda, where, where they have to install Regupol at 10 millimetres, and when that happens, mm. the door becomes even very tight, so the, the fire door has to be shaved. You know, it's got to be shaved to the correct gap as well. So that's another important thing that you just mentioned, not just carbon that creates a gap, but when you're putting very thick underlay, that also it reduces it. But when you're shaving it down, it's got to be shaved down to the correct gap and not you know, not increased, but maintain at the statutory requirement. Yeah, good point. And what I'm hearing here from Jane is this is something that really is unlikely to be discovered until your next annual fire safety inspection comes around. 
the fire safety practitioner comes in, says, oh, flooring's changed, door therefore needs to change. This could be some six, 12 months down the track. So being able to track back, okay, what were the terms of this approval for the new flooring? Did we cover ourselves here by saying that should any common property be detrimentally impacted, particularly fire safety devices, it is the responsibility of the owner who's done the work to attend to that rectification. Great question. Thank you, Jane, for bringing that one to the podcast. I'm sure that's helpful for many. Do you have a win for me this week, Rena? Yes, I have a wonderful win for a change. I think it's really nice um, in terms of our own team. And um, Sarah Smith, who's our Senior Strata Manager and our Chief Operating Officer, has won the inaugural Real Estate Institute Strata Manager of the Year Awards a few weeks ago. Yay! Um, this is actually a new award that's been put on by REI to recognise Strata as one of the main players in the property sphere. And um, basically the criteria was quite high. It recognises Sarah's leadership and support, her client service, innovation, looking after the operations in Strata. And, um, yeah, we were so lucky to celebrate that award with her a few weeks ago. So... Um, I just wanted to share that with all the listeners today so that they, you know, sometimes people don't understand, like strata management is a very hard job. I think many people say to me, oh, my God, like I had an owner the other night in a committee meeting, he had to walk out because to me, I just can't deal with all this minutiae. And, <laughs> he said, and he rang up and apologised the next day, but he said to me, I don't know how you do your job. I think people don't realise, you know, strata management is such a multifaceted profession. You have to be aware of the law, accounting, you know, psychology, be able to calm people, be able to be all things to all people, which is usually a very hard thing to do in life anyway, mm-hmm. let alone at a professional capacity. And, um, you know, I think the fact that Sarah won is such a testament to her great skills, her nature, her communication, and just the great, wonderful person that she is. So, yeah. Congratulations, Sarah Smith, Strata Manager of the Year and Strata Central. I am lucky to know Sarah well, to have known her for many years. And look, I'll fess up, I'm also very lucky, as is my community, to have Sarah as our Strata Manager. So we've snapped her up, which um, is great, and she's serving our community very well. I'm not surprised that she was the winner of that award. She is a tough but fair player, I would say, and as those of us who have been trained by Rena Van Aust are. <laughs> Sarah's been with you for many, many years, I think. Rena, how long have you worked together? Yeah, since uh, 2004, we've actually been working together. So, 20 years? Um, yeah, and up. since I opened our practice, yeah, it's, it's probably longer than one of marriages, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still getting along, we're still happy, so yeah. yeah. Excellent. Well, very well-deserved win. I'm sure Sarah is really chuffed with that one. Thank you for sharing that. My win for this week, I have looked at my inbox this morning and I can see that our friend Jimmy Thompson over at Flat Chat is running a poll. He's run a couple of polls in the last few weeks, as I can see from his emails. This one, Jimmy says, is a happy poll. It's a good news poll. He's asking his readers, and I'm encouraging you to go over and complete this poll as well, what do you like most about this strata life? Now, I'm not sure when the poll closes, but when we publish this episode, we'll either be including a link to go and complete the poll in our show notes here, or we'll include the link with the results for the poll. But I'm, I'm bringing this to you today as our win because I like it when we talk about what we enjoy about living in Strata. We started this chat, Rena, talking about these burdens and increasing levies, but there's a reason why we do choose to keep living, to keep investing in Strata. And I know Jimmy's highlighting that 
with his poll, asking you to let him know what you like most about living in an apartment. Is it the security, the lock up and leave? Is it that you don't have to do the repairs or the gardening? Is it that you can live in the area that you want to live in? Why are we choosing to live in Strata? Let Jimmy know over on his flat chat website. Well, uh, Jimmy actually was the um, the host for our panel Great. at the OCN seminar a few weeks ago. And he had another poll, I think, about what cost would you like to um, cut in strata management? And he actually refers to that in this new poll. He said, you've got here, so up to two fairly negative polls about cost cutting and annoying neighbours with little sunshine. So <laughs> one of the ones that he raised about cost cutting actually was about legal fees. And I just mentioned the reactants and said, yeah, everyone hates lawyers. So <laughs> that, that was quite funny. So that was one of his- I'm um, glad you got to laugh at my um, expense in the arena. <laughs> That's right. I just thought, I just thought I, had to sh- I had to share that aspect with you, Amanda. I thought that you'd like to know that one. <laughs> the cost cutting. <laughs> well, do head over and complete that poll for Jimmy. We've got a link for you in the show notes for this episode. You'll find those over at yourstrataproperty.com.au forward slash podcast. Just have a look for this episode number 382 and you'll see all the helpful links for today's episode and either the results of Jimmy's poll, if he's got those yet, or your opportunity to contribute. Thank you for joining me this week, Rena. It's lovely to reconnect after some time away. Yes, Amanda, it's been lovely seeing you again. You look so nice and relaxed. <laughs> I just had this vision of the next six months dragging me back down into the strata. <laughs> I'll get more wrinkles. I'll gradually go grey. Then I'll go on holidays again then come back. Revival. That's what, what you're going to do. That's how your, your owner asking you how do you do it, that's how you do it. Exactly. <laughs> One season at a time. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll catch you all next time. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at yourstrataproperty.com.au.